0: I Love Mortgage Brokering, Episode 131. Want to learn from the top 5% of mortgage brokers in the country? Then you have come to the right place. Join Scott Peckford on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey Broker Nation, Scott Peckford from Milo Mortgage Brokering. Today on the show I have Bernadette Laxamana. She's a partner with Ziva Mortgage out of Vancouver. She won MPC's Mentor of the Year and has been the top 35 brokers in the country. She is one of the hardest working people I know and she shares a bit about how her early morning routine gets her prime for the day. She also explains how the phone is her number one business building tool and how she uses client appreciation events to get in front of up to 700 people a couple times a year, which is crazy. Oh, and she also does monthly first-time buyer seminars and averages between 15 to 20 people per session. And she shares some tips on how to get bums and seats. I don't know about you, but whenever I've done these things, it can always be challenging to get people to show up. This is a fantastic interview. It's actually the second time Bernadette's been on the show. You can check out episode 30, where the first time that I had a conversation with Bernadette, This episode is sponsored by Fundever. Fundever is a web portal that connects brokers to commercial lenders. I don't know if you're like me, but I only see a small number of commercial deals a year. And truthfully, I don't even know where to start to find them a mortgage. Everyone knows that when it comes to commercial deals, especially anything creative or private, your Rolodex of lenders is critical to your success. Fundever allows the average broker to have a killer Rolodex for free. The platform is free for brokers. Check it out at fundever.com and tell them you heard about it on Out of Mortgage Brokering. This episode is also sponsored by Pioneer West Acceptance Corp. Pioneer West is a private lender in BC and Alberta. Now, normally when we have a sponsor for the show, it's because I personally use their product or service and I can give my 100% recommendation. In this case, it's a little different. I don't personally do B deals. So I decided to do some background checking on the crew at Pioneer West and I found that everyone I talked to said they were fast, down to earth and underwrote deals if they made sense, which is exactly what you're looking for in a B lender. Another cool thing about Pioneer West is they still have money to lend. I've been hearing some lenders are running low on cash, not these guys. If you're a broker who's looking for a lender for your next B or C deal, check out Pioneer West Acceptance and tell them you heard about on Out of mortgage brokering. Check them out at PioneerWest.com. And check out this episode with Bernadette. It's killer. Hey, Bernadette, welcome back to the show.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Scott. It's been a while. I can't even remember the last time.
0: Yeah, it's, it's been uh, like 120,000 downloads and, and there have been lots going on. But I know that you're always a, your go-getter, your mentor of the year this year. And so I wanted to touch base with you and just see like, okay, what are you doing now that's working and some stuff. So my first question for you is what's working for you really well right now?
1: It's really the phone calls. That's the one thing. And I know that if I'm not happy where my volume is at, I just pick up the phone and it rains. And so that's the one thing that hasn't changed. And I don't think it'll ever change.
0: So who do you phone?
1: Past clients, most importantly, like the ones that are coming up for renewal, the pre-approvals. Those are the people. It's really my database that I'm mining
0: do you call like realtors as well or centers of influence or?
1: No, I don't. I'm not, I haven't been doing that. So that's the one thing that I could improve upon, but I've just been very busy with my own database that I haven't really made the time to pursue that. I've actually let go of few realtors, to be honest with you this year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that seems to happen sometimes, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what have you learned kind in the last year that you wish you would have knew sooner?
1: These rates that are coming up, I should have touched more people. I've been hearing that rates are going to be this, 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 and I, I did push a lot. I have a lot of deals closing November, December, but I could have pushed and helped people more before this rates move. That's the one thing that, oh, just kicking myself.
0: I mean, there's only so much time in a day. So how would you, how would you have done that?
1: Called more people, really, They're really. I could have carved more time to do that. Because what happens is I did a lot of calling and then I got busy with those files, as you know. And then after that, I did not call more.
0: Right? Can you tell me, how does your team structure? So who, like, who does what? So you obviously make, you're the rainmaker, but then what happens? So let's say, yeah, I just kind of, I just want to get a picture of, you have a machine running and you're.
1: Yes. So the process works is when when we get a lead, a referral from somebody, my assistant talks to them and encourages them to send us the application, sends us the documents. I have a policy, no doc, no talk. So I don't really sit down with. The
0: we should put that on a T-shirt. No doc, no yeah. talk.
1: <laughs> yeah. So unless I have all the documents in front of me, like, Pay stubs. I always ask for two T4s, two pay stubs, two NOAs and all that so that at least when I talk to them on the phone, our time is more valuable than it's all like I think, maybe, I hope kind of thing. So it makes it really, really productive. And also my assistant follows up. With them, Because as you know, when the lead comes in, it's really hard for us mortgage brokers to stay on top of the lead and keep keep following up to make sure that we get the documents. So I have a person who does that. And then once all the paperwork comes in, uh, somebody underwrites it, my underwriter. And then once it's all underwritten, my team sets me up for an appointment with a client over the phone. It could be half an hour. It could be 45 minutes, depending on the situation. And then from that consultation, we determine if it's worthwhile to submit as a pre-approval, as a live deal or what have you, after we've established the strategy.
0: When you say underwrite the file, what are they doing? Are they like pulling credit and getting it all cleaned up so that you can then make a a decision on it? Is that
1: correct? So what happens before somebody was underwriting it, I have to spend so much time cleaning it up, underwriting it. That takes time now because somebody has already underwritten it. I just need to look at it 10 minutes before my appointment to make sure I have an understanding about where the client is at and what we can do for them. So that cut back a lot of my administration time when somebody did all that, you know, groundwork before the appointment.
0: So what if they're phoning you on your cell phone, or are they calling your office line? Like what's your usual
1: one of the things is my cell phone is always 24 hours forwarded to the office. So nobody can call me at night and my phone rings. So it's always the office. If they call my landline, it's um, they get my voicemail and I listen to it. If I don't pick it up, it goes to my voicemail and I forward it to my assistant, depending on the message. If it's just a pre-approval, as we know, only 10% of pre-approvals go live. I really just get my assistant to do that. But if they say, I found a property or I want to refinance, it's more of a live deal, then I talk to the client for a few minutes and just say, you know, what are you looking for, blah, blah, blah. And this is my process. You know, like I really don't spend too much time with them over the phone. I tell them what my process is, and that's the boundary that I've set. So if they don't like it, they can go somewhere else.
0: Right. And do some people do that?
1: Nope. <laughs> They all seem to appreciate the fact that they know how it works.
0: You're set up similar to how Mark Good is in that, or it's it's kind of a hybrid between Mark Good and Peter Matheny, but you're like almost like the doctor or the dentist who's not going to make, you show up at the end and go, okay, let me have a look and see what I can do. And you're not doing all that stuff. So how many people do you need in the team? Is it the same person that does the catching the call that does the underwriting or is it, no, a, is it like It's assembly a different line?
1: person? It's an assembly line. The person that catches the leads and everything is not the person underwriting because the person underwriting, that's all that person does, underwriting the pre-apps and underwriting the live and managing the live deals as well. We have an underwriting center, but, you know, we just want to make sure that we stay on top of the underwriting center. So that's my underwriter's job.
0: Okay. So then, okay, you meet with the client and then what happens? So you've made a decision. It's going to go to lender XYZ. Do you give it back to your team then? Or what's the process?
1: It goes to my underwriter and say, oh yeah, I've talked to the client. This is what they want to do. Please submit to the underwriting center. So she cleans it up to make sure that We have all the documents that they need, and then it goes to the underwriting center. Once it goes to the underwriting center, the underwriter emails the client to say, I am Bernadette's assistant, and from time to time, I may be contacting you for any additional documents that the lender needs, and so that's it. After I've met with the client initially and determined the strategy, I'm really off, not involved in the file anymore unless there's a question that My underwriters won't know what to do with, like the lender came back with this. What do you think? Kind of thing. But most of the time, the follow up, the you know, getting the um, form B, the appraisal and going to the realtor to ask for PDS and all that. I don't get involved with any of that stuff.
0: Okay. Do you meet the client again?
1: Yes. When they sign, when the commitment is here, I meet them during the signing process.
0: Okay, and then what happens to the, now it's all signed, done, obviously the compliance stuff is taken care of. What do you do post funding that keeps your phone ringing?
1: Okay, so after closing, we send them a gift Um, My gift of choice right now is the David's Tea Package. Once in a while, they have a David's Tea Package. Every season, they seem to have a nice one. And that's what I sent. The reason why it's a David's Tea Package is because they go to the mall and they see it and they look at the price and they're like, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to pay that much for tea. And then they see this beautiful package in the mail and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you got me tea because they know how pricey it is, right? And how special. So that's a touch. And then I do client appreciation events every year. I do a movie. I invite all my clients, about 700 people show up for my movie. And the other touch would be um, newsletters that go out. That's standard. And then calendars. My calendars are just going out. Now I've been doing calendars for 13 years. I stopped one year because I thought maybe clients don't appreciate it, but I got inundated with phone calls saying, what happened to my calendar? I need my calendar. So they have a calendar And then every year during their anniversary, they get an annual review reminder, you know, happy anniversary. These are the things that you could do for your mortgage and stuff like that. How
0: do you send that? Is that mailed or emailed or?
1: No, that's a mail. That's a mail. And the fun thing that we do is, hey, can you believe it? It's been a year. So they get one lotto card. And then their second year, there's two lotto cards. And then their third year, there's three just to commemorate each year's anniversary.
0: Right. That's awesome. And so who does that for you?
1: Oh, my, the same person who handles the leads. She's also the person who manages the database.
0: Okay. That's excellent. And then, so we, you know, I know that phoning is a huge part of your business being on the phone. So if somebody's has call reluctance and they're like, ah, oh, I got to call my clients. I don't know what to say. What do you say to them? Or what would you say to yourself? Because or were you always no problem call? I mean, you're, you're one of the hardest working people I know.
1: No, I do have call reluctance. Call reluctance is a normal part of our lives. If people read the book Fanatical Prospecting, even the guy who's like the leader of prospecting admits it. It's the most uh, difficult thing to do, yet you just do it. So, uh, in the conference, there's one of the speakers is says, just do it. So. When I have the call reluctance, I just do it. I just pick up the phone and do it. Or sometimes I play a game with myself. Like it's not a sales call. It's I'm making a difference phone call. So what calls can you make to make a difference? Just touching these people and stuff. And then I get past it. As you know, it's the first two calls that are the hardest. But once you start, you just cannot stop. It's just that thing that you just want to keep doing. But just like working out i don't know about you that it's hard the first workout is harder but then as you keep doing it it gets easy
0: well if you take a long time off it's pretty easy to skip it i'm just saying so okay but then how do you what's your process look like to okay you're going to start making calls on a do you have a certain pattern that you use do you call certain people certain times or do you just how does that look
1: oh yeah so basically most of the time, my calls would be mostly in the, like, now after our conversation. I'd be making my phone calls, um, because sometimes in the morning, not, not sometimes, most of the time in the morning, there's a lot of catching up to do, making sure that I answer all the underwriters' questions or I'd have appointments. And so I'd have that time in the mid afternoon for between one, to say three, one to four kind of thing that where I fit it in and just an hour really to just do the proactive calling.
0: Mm-hmm. And so you're calling like re- your renewal database list. Do you do anniversary calls or what other?
1: Yeah. So basically my pattern um, is Mondays is um, touching base with the realtors that I still deal with. And then Tuesdays, and, and my favorite people that I deal with, my top my top favorite You haven't
0: owners. called me on a Monday. Like, what's up with that? I'm
1: <laughs> I should add you to my favorites. The pre-approvals is Tuesday, Wednesday is a live deal. People, just calling them not just because I need something, just to touch base. And then Thursday, Fridays are my past clients. Thursday is the renewals coming up. Then Friday is just clients whose mortgages have closed that I just want to touch base with.
0: Right. Okay. And... So I also know that you're one of the most disciplined people that I probably know. And you have like, what's your morning routine look like? So when you get up before you, what's what's what are you doing? Because I'm probably sleeping when you get up.
1: Um, I, I My alarm goes off depending on my, it's between 4.30 to 4.45, depending on what I want to happen that morning. But it's always between 4.30 to 4.45. And then that's when I pray, meditate, write on my journal during that time. And then I'd be working out at um, five o'clock. So that's changed, actually, because I used to be working out at 45 for an hour and a half. Now I've cut it back to an hour. So I work out seven days a week for an hour now, whereas the week before it was an hour and a half every day. For
0: seven you days. slacker. You're like, seriously, just one hour? Like, what? what's, what's wrong with you?
1: <laughs> I know.
0: You know what? You're going to make people I'm going to edit this part out because people are going to be like, are you kidding me? Like, that's like, OK, so an hour workout. You go to the gym or not home?
1: At home. At home. That's why it's easy for me to do because I have a gym at home. I do weights. I do insanity. I do P90X. I do body beast. So I alternate. So it's like upper, lower cardio abs, upper, lower cardio abs. That's my, my routine seven days a week. So yeah.
0: Okay. So then what happens? All right. So you're done your workout and it's like four o'clock in the morning. Now what do you do?
1: I have to get ready for work and then I prepare breakfast for everybody and lunch for everybody, including Mike, my husband. So make sure that's done. And then I take my kids to school every day. Nice, Yeah. After I drop them. Oh yeah. It's, it's fun time breakfast and drive to school is usually a fun time We're joking, teasing each other, making each other laugh. So I treasure those moments. And then I get to the office between 8.20 to 8.25, 8.30 kind of thing. And then I'm, there you go, at work.
0: What's the first thing you do when you get into your office?
1: Check my emails, first thing. My email is my to-do list, believe it or not. I've read so many times people said, don't, you know, turn off your email. But but my email is my to-do list. And it's also the way for people to, like, especially the underwriting center, my underwriter, to make sure that, If they have a question, I answer it right away because my belief is if I address a question from the underwriter quicker, then it gets the deals move quicker. Obviously, the longer they have to wait for me, everything else gets delayed. Right. So that's why my first go to is really my email.
0: So, okay, what what about do you have any cool tools or apps or anything that you find really useful for your business?
1: Not really. I don't have I'm not an apps person. The phone is my one thing. And You know, Facebook, as you know, posting stuff on Facebook. I I do a lot of video, as you noticed. I'm very much into video. In fact, next year, I'd probably do more Facebook live videos. That's my next thing. So that's the, so the phone, the video camera is my go-to for sure.
0: Mm -hmm. How important is your team structure to your success? Do you think?
1: Oh, I think I wouldn't be doing the volume that I'm doing and having the life that I have because I pretty much have a balanced life. I have time for everything else in my life. If if I didn't have my team and I didn't have the center, there's no way I could do what I'm doing right now. Yeah, for sure. And it's also scalable. That's the beautiful part. Whatever volume I have right now, I can scale it because I have the underwriting center. Whereas if I didn't, I have to make sure I hire the next person for the next level of business and stuff like that. So the team is really my, biggest a secret to success, if you want to call it.
0: And so how many people in, on your, uh, obviously there's the underwriting center, but how many people just work for you specifically? Three. And so there's the lead person who also does database. There's the underwriter person who kind of cleans up files. What does the other person do?
1: The other person is doing the marketing stuff. Like if we're not, when I'm doing, Home, monthly homebuyer seminars, make sure that all the marketing pieces are there, the Facebook blogging, like any other marketing stuff that I have, and also assist in saving documents because I'm paperless. So she's there. She also books my appointment, making sure that all the documents for signing is ready and all that stuff. So that's what that other person does.
0: Okay. And is the marketing person full-time? Yes, and your Homebuyer Seminar, so how often do you do them? And
1: Monthly now.
0: How do you do that when most people, when they put these things on, like it's, they just get their mom and maybe like one or two other people to show up?
1: Right. So I used to do once a year, then it became once every two years, then it became quarterly. And then this year I decided, oh, let's try monthly. So my first one was 20 people. My second one is about... 25 people and the one that's coming up on Tuesday, we have about 15 people. So, I mean, for a monthly, that's not really bad, I think. So the secret is we blast the seminar on Facebook a lot. Mm -hmm. We do the the social media marketing thing to blast it at a certain geographical range. So there's that. But the other big thing is we call all of our clients. We've pre-approved and tell them about the seminar. And we also call our clients who we just did a purchase for and tell them about the seminar.
0: How many of your clients do you think have gone through your seminar? So on a monthly basis, are you finding more and more of your clients have actually been to the live event?
1: Yes. I'd say like on an average for the monthly one, I'd probably get about six to 10 of my own clients. And the others are refer, you know, from the Facebook. There's more of my own clients or clients who refer their friends and family to attend. And I find that during the home buyer seminar, most of the time when I've pre approved the clients and they come to my home buyer seminar, they wouldn't dream of going anywhere else because they've heard me speak and they find me an expert. I even have people who come back after two years. They've been to my seminar two years ago and they said, I found your seminar so informative. And I said, you know, when I'm ready to buy, I was always going to come back to you. So that's really flattering. I have so many people who've done that. They've been to my seminar, come back one, two, three years later, even though I have been spo- spoken to them. And they said, I knew that I was going to go to you when I was ready. So I'm here.
0: Right. And so this is your marketing person. Who makes those phone calls to invite new people that you or your marketing person?
1: My marketing person.
0: Right. I could see that because that probably adds more people to show up than I mean, the ads and stuff probably help a bit, but your natural database is probably the best.
1: For sure. My database is for sure. When I was doing the seminars on a quarterly basis, I was getting about 40 people in a room. So now I'm getting 15 to 20 people per month. That's Not bad at all.
0: And how long are these sessions that you do? Is it just you or do you bring a lawyer? Do you bring like...
1: I used to bring a lawyer and a realtor, but I've changed it to just me. So because I can keep it more consistent that way. It's just me and it's an hour. My presentation is 45 minutes to an hour and then 30 minutes for a question and answer.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Okay, so the last question I want to ask you is what's something people can't find out about you from Google? I got asked this question a little while ago, and I'm like, that's such a genius question. What's your answer to that?
1: Um, uh, I'm a nerd. You know, that's just to who I am. I'm a nerd. I'm crazy. What else? I'm, well, they can find that I'm a mom. I really don't know. I think that's the thing. I'm crazy and I'm a nerd.
0: Right. And when you, what do you mean by nerd, though? Because, like.
1: Mm. I I like going to school. If I win a million dollars, I'd go back to school in a heartbeat. Would you really? (laughs) I would.
0: What would you take?
1: I'd like to take a PhD in psychology.
0: That would be useful in our line of work.
1: Yes. So that's the thing. I'm such a nerd that I could go back to school in a heartbeat and just take tests. You know, I love tests, exams and reading. (laughs)
0: That's hilarious. You sound like my daughter. I, 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 Yeah, that's definitely not my, I wouldn't say that's what I love to do. But, oh, one other thing I want to ask you about, and I said that was the last question, but I lied. So the NLP, you did some like crazy training in that. Well, tell me about what, maybe explain to our listeners what NLP is, and then maybe how what's something that you learned that you've been able to apply to your day-to-day sort of work
1: it's a neurolinguistic programming so basically it's a language of the mind in order to achieve more excellence in life that's the main thing about nlp because we know that everything that we do and we feel starts from thoughts so if you control your thoughts you control your feelings you control your actions so um nlp has helped me to do that and one of the biggest biggest things with that i think have changed my beliefs is and like I told you earlier that life is not either or you have to do this or this you have to choose they've trained me so hard that it's about and I can do this and this and this and this and this
0: well and you do that <laughs> so you're a living example yeah because I think before we started recording I was talking about something and I'm like I think I'm gonna do this or and you're like no no, you can be and I'm like what, what? you're totally messing with me here let see you're using your Jedi mind tricks on me <laughs> I didn't even realize it till now you <laughs> how do you use that with a client experience? though? So, so I've got a client who's, what would you, how do you use that sort of thinking?
1: So basically I think the biggest learning that I have with NLP is really, I'm very good at understanding what the client wants and needs. And sometimes I really drill down because say, hear so many things from other people. I think I have to be this. I have to be that they go like that. But then after I ask a few questions, I really know exactly what is truly important to them and remind them that's what they want and help them get that. So that's the biggest thing that I've applied from all my NLP training. Everybody has different needs. Come on. Everybody has different paths in life. Your path is different from my path. Doesn't mean your path is better than mine or what you think is better than mine. So that's the one thing that I'm really, really trying to understand their model of the world, what's important to them and deliver that and making sure that I don't muddle that with my own personal judgment or personal opinion, because again, my path is different. And so a lot of times... Uh, people say stuff to me and I don't just throw on advice or tell them what I think. <laughs> and I think that frustrates a lot of people. But I'm like, I've decided that it's important for me to really understand where they want to go first and get them to find their own answers. Because I don't know about you. I hate being given unsolicited advice. And sometimes the advice I may give is not necessarily what they want.
0: Well, let me give you some advice on that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, okay, listen, Vernon. I'm going to give you some advice on your not wanting to take advice because like, you know, I'm just messing with you.
1: Exactly.
0: So I'm trying some NLP on you, right? Like what? Okay. Hey, I always love chatting with you. I know that you're busy. I really appreciate your time. So how can people find you online?
1: Online, belaxamana.com. They can find me online and I have a video there as well, introducing my team and my phone number always is 604-343-8686. So
0: Do you have the Wonder Woman shirt on in that video?
1: (laughs) Yay, Wonder Woman is my movie, client appreciation movie on June 2nd, so that'll be good.
0: Okay, awesome. Thanks, for that.
1: Thank you, Scott. Talk to you later. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next week. Okay, that's not entirely true, but we'd really appreciate it. Also, you can check out everything at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. See you next week.